We were reading last week about Abraham and um, the life that he lived with God. And um, I think we take for granted how crazy his life was, you know, because um, it's on paper. So it's a little bit more comfortable to read about. Um, and it talks about how Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And um, verse 16 says, Therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He's the father of all of us. You know you're supposed to have the faith of Abraham. That's kind of what God is hoping for your life that you would have the kind of faith that he had. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. And it's this part that, uh, this really got me this week. The God who gives life to the dead and calls in You can read it, it's there. (laughs) The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so he became the father of many nations. Um, this week has been crazy for me uh, and my family. Uh, on on um, Thursday, Thursday night, my youngest brother and his wife had their first baby. Beautiful little boy. Named Levi. Awesome. Really awesome. And um, I was so excited for them. And uh, I am so excited for them in the beginning of this season in their life as a family. And um, and just the miracle that is, you know. And um, in the middle of that celebration... Um, Friday, I got a call from my mom, and she was crying, and it wasn't tears of joy. And um, my middle brother and his wife um, had found out a few months ago that they were expecting as well, and that was um, unexpected because they had been told that there were some health um, issues that were going to make it hard for them to have a baby at this point, and. Um, and so to everyone's surprise, we found out that they were expecting. And um, I, Maria and I went away at the beginning of August, and we got to see all of our family. And it was sort of celebrating um, life on the horizon. And, um, and we announced to them at that time that we were um, also um, expecting someone new in our family. We 
have been planning to um, adopt for a little while now and something that Maria and I, um, that God has put on our hearts for a long time and since we got married it was something that we talked about, but it's something we talked about for down the line somewhere. And, uh, and anyway, so we announced that and um, just excited to share that with everyone. So um, Friday I get a call from my mom and she says that um, they that my middle brother Joseph and his wife went to the doctor and, and that um, it was supposed to be a routine checkup but that the baby's heart wasn't beating. And uh, how do you juggle that like the day before being so thrilled and then hearing that and being so confused and and hurt. And um, I told my mom, I said, I have to go. Um, and she was in tears and she was talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to try to sort things out. And, and I said, I, I, I can't think about that right now. And um, I just thought in my spirit, I said, God, um, this doesn't have to be the end of it right now. And I just preached this past week that you're the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. And I turned the lights off in my room and and shut the door, and I just began to pray. Even in the middle of wrestling, do I even believe that, God? I don't know, but I want to believe that about who you are, and I do believe that about who you are. And I, and I really felt the, um, the guy who was like, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I, I felt like I understood what he was talking about in that moment. And... I just began to ask God to do what only he could do and um, to believe that even this moment um, things could be different even after hearing it, even from the doctors. And, um, and I so wrestled with that even in my spirit because um, and my brother, is he loves God and so does his wife. But I wrestled with, should I even be praying this way? Should I even be hoping for something that seems to be a foregone conclusion, that seems to be against hope, against all hope? And I, um, I just, I knew the answer was yes. And I, um, so I prayed and I took a long walk and prayed some more, and and I woke up um, Saturday with mixed feelings, but just saying, God, I know, I know what you can do, and um, it didn't go that way. Um, they they delivered um, a little boy who wasn't alive. And um, they got to see him. They got to hold him. And um, that's what happened. 
And, and then that, <laughs> that, hearing that, got the update in the afternoon. It just made me think, um, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with this. And uh, I didn't want to share any of that tonight, um, partly because I I still have a lot of things I'm sorting through myself with God on the issue, and uh, and I didn't want it to be a distraction, but I feel like God wanted to bring it up, and um, I was reading another passage um, on Saturday. And it's it's kind of a it's a passage that I don't know I find a little weird and just a lot of the stories in this book are strange if you really if you really read them. Um, and if you really think about what's going on in the stories and. Uh, there's this story in in Second Kings four. I'm still trying to figure out how this is all supposed to tie in, but we'll get there. Um, it's a story about Elisha, who's this man of God. He's a prophet, and um, he's. Um, Gets to see a lot of amazing things as a man called of God. And he gets to do a lot of amazing things. Um, and we hear about these miracles that he gets to see and be a part of. And, um, and we're told in, in 2 Kings 4 that um, there's this woman, the Shunammite woman, and... Um, She's seen God uh, work in her life through Elisha, and so she feels um, particularly fond of him, and um, her family decides that we're going to build a space in our house for when he's around so he can have a place to stay, which is very nice of her. And so they build an addition to her house, and uh, she says, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make this place for him. And um, so that whenever he's around, he can come and stay with us. And it says that one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and he laid down there. He said to his servant, call the Shunammite. So he called her and he stood before him. She stood before him and Elisha said, tell her. It's funny, she's right in front of him and he's still talking to his sidekick. I don't know. Uh, again, these stories are weird. He says, tell her. You have gone to all this trouble. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replies, I have a home among my people. Basically, my life is good. Elijah says, what can I do for you? And she says, my life is good. Well, that was only half of the story, as we find out in... um, you probably shouldn't lie to a prophet because he might figure out that you're only telling him half of the story. So she says, my life is good. And Elisha doesn't even say it, but his, his sidekick, you know, I mean, <laughs> he figures it out. And he says, actually, Elisha, she has no son. 
And her husband, he's old. And Elijah says, call her. So he called her, and he stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will have a son in your arms. She has a response that isn't quite what you would expect. What does she say? She says, no, my Lord. Please, man of God, do not mislead your servant. I was reading this passage, and it goes on to tell us that she became pregnant, and sure enough, The next year, at the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as the prophet has said she would. And then we say, yay! (laughs) That's probably where the story in in, uh, Sunday school. She gave birth, yay! Just like the prophet said she would. I knew it. That's what Elijah's probably thinking. I knew it. I knew you'd have a baby. What's interesting is the fact that when he tells her, you're going to have a son, she's not too happy. She says, do not mislead me. What is she saying? She's saying, I do actually really want what you're saying. And in fact, when I said everything was okay, it wasn't the truth. But don't mislead me. Do not get my hopes up. Do not call me to believe for a promise that may not happen. Sounds, sounds familiar. I'm sure we've all been there. That's the tension we find ourselves in. See, if you're going to hope for something, guess what? You might get disappointed. Especially if you hope beyond hope for something, you may get disappointed. This woman had hoped for something, and she had been disappointed. Not once, not twice, but who knows, for how many years? Can be all right. <laughs> um, and the same might be true in your life. The same will be true in your life. If you ever hope for something, guess what? You're probably going to experience disappointment. They, in fact, go hand in hand, and there's a tension there. And in this moment, Elijah says, you know what? Hey, um, you're going to have a child. And if I'm there in that moment, I probably want to slap him and just say, could you be any more insensitive? This lady's been hoping for this for a long time, and she didn't even ask you for it. Why would you do this? But hey, it's Elisha, and um, it just so happens that what he says comes to pass. Then we say, yay. But that's not the end of the story. So it goes on. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was in the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. His father told his servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, The boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Then he died. They didn't read that part in Sunday school. And she goes, and she laid him up in the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. Um, I feel like that's where 
a lot of times it ends for us. We hope for something, maybe even we begin to see it. And then maybe it dies. Or maybe the thing we hope for, we haven't seen it yet, and it feels like it dies. And then the story's over. And we stop. We say, I've had enough. Like, I've had enough heartbreak. I've had enough um, getting my hopes up. I, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of being disappointed. In the middle of um, this whole thing with my family, um, is something that has kind of been on the radar for us for a long time. And I realized on Friday um, that, uh, you know, we've been pursuing adoption, and I'm so thrilled about it. And I'm so excited for the way that God's kind of taken our plans and rearranged them. And, um, and in the middle, to be honest with you guys, the reason why we're talking about adoption right now is because we haven't been able to have a child of our own. We, it's not either or for us, it's both. Um, and I realized on Friday that in the middle of this process that I've kind of let my hope for that other thing just kind of sit back here somewhere. And I realized that Maria and I, we just needed to talk about that. And... Um, and sure enough, that's kind of where we've both been. And in the middle of that, I felt like God was saying that, yes, I can redeem things. And yes, I work in the middle of brokenness. That's who I am. That's great news. That's God, the Father, the artist at work. But we shouldn't confuse what God can do and is doing to redeem situations with the truth of what God can do and wants to continue to do, even apart from that. I don't know if that makes sense. But what I realize is that our pursuit of adoption is one of the ways God is redeeming this time that we're in, uh, where we're without... um, a child. But at the same time, I know it's a good thing for us to hope for and to continue to believe God to give us a child of our own. And it's not either or, it's both. Yes, God, redeem the brokenness. Yes, God, work something good in the middle of loss. Work something good out of what seems to be the darkest of moments. That's what I'm praying for my brother now. That's what I'm praying for his family. But at the same time, I do not want to waver from the truth that you are the God who raises the dead. Just because it didn't happen this time, I want to believe it the next time. And I don't want to be alone in that. And I believe we shouldn't be alone in that. I had this weird moment of feeling guilty for praying that way. Feeling like I just had to hide myself to pray that, and maybe it was just between me and God. And I don't have to tell anybody about it. But I want to believe you in that way. And I believe that is supposed to be the norm for us, not the exception. 
When God says that he can raise the dead and in fact he sent his son to break the curse of death itself, then I believe that as his people we should, we should hope for that to happen. We should expect it to happen, even if we've never seen it. And so I'm asking for you guys to share in this burden with me. Because I don't think it's supposed to be for one person or random moments. I believe it's, it's the path that Jesus has set forth for us. When he came and he said, I, I've come to destroy the works of the enemy. The one who steals, kills, and destroys. I've come to reverse those things. And what do we do? What do we do when we call on the God who is able to do that and it doesn't happen? What do we do? Do we give up hope? I'm preaching myself right now, so I could just look this way, but um, I'm preaching to you guys too because I believe He wants us to go there together. And He wants us to be real about where we have given up hope. To not pretend like we do believe Him for the possible when maybe we don't. And in the middle of that, I believe He wants us to see that He's even bigger than that. He's bigger than our unbelief. He's bigger than our doubt. He's bigger than our lost hopes. This story is pretty amazing because this woman, she's pretty um, persevering. (laughs) Elijah comes and he promises something good and um, God comes through on the promise. But then a little bit down the line, we see things don't um, continue to go well. And she's pretty persevering. She doesn't just put her son on the bed, but she says to her husband, um, send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go find this guy. <laughs> Look out, Elijah. Look out. She's coming for you. And uh, <laughs> the husband's confused. He's like, uh, it's not the new moon or the Sabbath, uh, but okay, here you go. She said, that's okay. So she gets a donkey and a servant and she goes. And I don't know how far she went, but she went to Mount Carmel to find Elisha. And this is interesting, because when Elisha sees her from a distance, I'm guessing the road wasn't too busy, so it's like, oh, that kind of looks like the Shunammite woman. So he tells his um, sidekick, hey, go see what she wants. And so... uh, he says, run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? He's, he kind of has this bad feeling, you know, like, why is she coming all the way out here? It's probably not just to say hi. So he sends his guy and go, see if everything's okay. And what happens? What does she say? Everything is all right. <laughs> this is the first time she said that. <laughs> She hasn't learned her lesson. You know, you don't lie to the prophet or his servant. So she says, everything is all right. He's like, oh, okay, good. 
I don't know why you're coming to visit Elijah, but I'll go tell him everything's all right. But she just keeps coming. And we know not everything was all right. And Elijah, you know, he's, he's a prophet, so he's very perceptive. Um, when she reaches him, it says she took hold of his feet. And Elijah, you know, this brilliant man of God, he says, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden from me. And I, I'm not told why, <laughs> but I sense that she's in distress here. I just feel it, you know, it's like right here. I feel it. Really, Elisha? Yeah. No kidding. What, what made you think that? And this is what she says. Did I ask you for a son? And I bet he's thinking, no, but I gave you one and I thought you were happy about it. She said, didn't I tell you, do not raise my hopes. I don't know who's at fault here. <laughs> like, I was reading this story, and I'm like, God, whose problem is this? Is this Elisha's problem? Is this the woman's problem? Is this your problem? I don't know, but it just seems like a big problem. She said, did I tell you to raise my hopes? And that's when I would have been like, see, I told you, Elijah, this was a bad idea. should have just let her alone. It's this weird middle ground. Really weird middle ground. Uncomfortable place. But I think it's the place we're supposed to be. Either for yourself or for someone else. You might find that question hits you right in the face. Did I ask you to raise my hopes? And the answer is uh, no. And yet, uh, there's the choice in that moment to decide, well, what do we do from here? Um, it's funny because Elisha's probably thinking that. What do, we, what do we do from here? And he says to his sidekick, okay, um, tuck your cloak in your belt, take your staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Basically be a jerk because you need to get to where the boy is. And here, take my staff and put it on his head. Apparently it was the staff all along. So, the mother though says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. She says, I'm not going anywhere. So you can send your servant, but he's going to go by himself. And so he went ahead and he laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So he came back to meet Elijah and told him, the boy hasn't awakened, which is another way of saying, the boy is still dead. Bad news. Bad news. The boy is still dead. And then what happens next is really weird. I told you the story is weird. Somewhere along the way, she says, okay, uh, he says, this woman's not going to leave me, so um, I guess we're going to have to go back together. So he starts walking, you know, like, I guess she got up and went on her donkey. So they go back to the house. And, uh, 
He went in and he shut the door and he began to pray. And he got on the bed and he does this weird thing. He lays on the boy and it says that he laid on him mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And amazingly, the boy's body grew warm and he gets up and he began to walk. And I don't know if this is like a... Uh, something we should consider doing when we pray for people. But I, I, I'm going to say I'm not there. I don't think that's really what, um, what this is for for us. The boy sneezes seven times. Weird. But he, awake, he awakens and she, he says, Call the Shunammite woman, take your son so she fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. She took her son and went out. What is the point of that? <laughs> I really think that, um, to me in this story, that God was trying to do something in Elijah's life and in the woman's life. Something uncomfortable. Something really uncomfortable. In the middle of it was this thing called hope. You need hope. You're meant to hope in things. If you say you hope and you believe in God, but it never shows up in your here and now, then you don't really know what it means to hope and believe in God. I understand that our hope transcends the here and now. It's an eternal hope. But I believe just as sure as God is eternal, but He's here and now, our hope is meant to be here and now. And in the middle of that come uncomfortable moments, come heartbreak moments, come uh, moments of disappointment, uncertainty, confusion, hurt, even not only for ourselves but for others. And I think in the middle of that, the thing that God was wanting to do in Elisha's life and the thing that he was wanting to do in this woman's life was to bring them close. Bring them close. Bring them close to the problems. Bring them close to the God that gives life to the dead. Bring them close. See, when you come close to something, you might begin to feel. I think Elisha had a problem of doing a lot of stuff waving his magic staff. But he wasn't in it. He didn't feel the way this woman felt. I believe in that way, um, part of the thing that was really insensitive on his part was he he didn't meet this woman where she was and realize that she had been really hoped in the past and that hope had been broken. He just says, hey, you're going to have a son. There you go. And God, I believe, wanted Elijah to be so close to what was going on here. And so when the problem comes back, God's like, no, you're not going to solve the problem from afar. I want you to come close. And for the woman, I believe God was calling her to come close to the God of hope. 
And I don't believe that she in fact could with her hopes sitting on the sidelines somewhere. And so this son was, was um, I believe, a, an example, a moment where actually of something deeper that God was calling her to was to hope in him, the author and giver of life. That her hope would actually show up in the here and now. And for that to happen, she needed to come close. And I believe somewhere in there, she did come close. And when that hope became realized and it became tangible, she wasn't about to let it get away again. And so she runs to Elisha and she goes as far as she needs to go to find him. She goes so that hope will be restored. And so God was bringing her close. And I believe that he wants to do the same thing in our lives. He wants to bring us close. And uh, in that, I believe he wants us to know that he is. It's in that place. That's where he is. See, God, when he brought salvation, how did it come? It showed up in our midst. God came close to the broken. He touched the leper. He didn't say, be healed from afar. He stood in the middle of the mess. And if we're going to be like Jesus, that's where we need to find ourselves. No matter if it hurts, we'll just say when it hurts, no matter how many times we've found ourselves even asking for the same thing again. I don't know what else to say. That's where I want to be. And it does hurt. And it is hard. And I feel like sometimes I do just want to hide in the room and keep it there and Yet, I don't think that's what God wants. Let's pray.